Days. Tan Talk. Entertaining and informative radio for the Sunshine State. You may be owed some money. After 911 and 411, call 541. That's 727-541-1741. Call Gulfstream Motorsports for a diminished value report. Due to my 28 years experience in the auto salvage business, I'm very good with wrecks. So if your car's been involved in a wreck, call me for a diminished value report. Call 727-541-1741. You may be owed some money for the lost value of your repaired vehicle. And visit us at GulfstreamMotorsports.com. Looking for car shows? Then look no further than FLACarshows.com. On your computer or on your mobile device, FLACarshows.com is a comprehensive list of automotive events plus videos and news articles. Whether you're looking for car shows, cruise-ins, meetups, automotive festivals, cars and coffees, or anything else relating to an internal combustion engine, then this is a site for you. Check it out online or on your phone at FLACarshows.com. There's a place where deals are made and legends are born. And there was a kid they called Lightning Boy. He was searching for the lost song. You could be the first man to record it. For a piece of fame and fortune. Like Clapton did with Crossroads, the Rolling Stones did it with Love in Vain. And he was looking to get him there. Welcome to Bluesville, son. This is the real thing. This ain't no book. Lightning Boy and Blind Dog. What the hell are you guys supposed to be, huh? Both blues men. I'm the blues man. He's from Long Island. Oh, I need a Mississippi street tie. I'm ready to roll. Yeah, you need a lot more than that. You know, the owner walked up to Willie, gave him three $100 bills, and says, your boy can play. Only one blues man in town tonight. It was me. There's a place where deals are made. And you made your deal at the crossroads. Yeah, I made the deal. Oh, I get it. You want some kind of contest, huh? You're real smart boy, Where a thin line separates the good. I'm giving you all the magic I got from the great. Louis Brown sent me. Eugene Martone is ready to cross it. Hi, this is Nick Mason from Pink Floyd, and you're listening to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Welcome, you're tuned in to Nostalgic Radio and Cars, and I'm your show host, Robert. Run your computers in Google, Tantalk1340.com, and you can see me live here in the studios in downtown Clearwater. Don't forget to check out our website, GulfstreamMotorsports.com, where you can find out all about us. And if you've missed any of our past shows, don't forget to check out Nostalgic Radio and Cars, where you can listen to all 600, and I believe, 80 shows. So, uh, at any rate, good evening, Ed. How are you doing this evening? Doing all right here on the, what is it? What day is it? Tuesday. It's Tuesday. Tuesday, yeah. Well, this is the first time. This is a really an honorary show because this is the first time you've had the pleasure of uh, being my uh, producer, production yeah. guy. How, How many years? Uh, 14, going uh, on 13 and a half years. Yeah, see, I started here in 08. No, actually, uh, what was it? 06, yeah. 06, wow, yeah. I started here in 010, or 10. Ten, something like that. Anyway, so wow, yeah. Then you took a furlough for a while, then you came back. So uh, we're doing, we're gonna have some fun tonight. Yeah, I toured the country for a couple of years. You toured, the- <laughs> yeah. Well, I had to get out with, uh, you know, with with uh, with and, and see the country because it is a beautiful place. It is a beautiful place. But anyway, all right. So, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, car guys, we got a great show for you tonight, musicians. So this is a continuation of Rocktober. So we're gonna be continue and have music related guests on the show for the next couple of weeks, maybe longer. 
And uh, so, but I just kind of wanted to give you an update. Uh, a couple weeks ago, I was up in Rhode Island. I didn't get a chance to say that because last week we had Tommy Rowe on, and I was really looking forward to that. So naturally, when we have a guest on <coughs> of celebrity status, you know, usually um, they want to talk, and you know, we we give them kind of like the the full, the full show. But any rate, um, so we were up in. I went to the Audrain and uh, Andrain Newport Concourse and Motor Week and uh, pretty spectacular weekend I got to see some pretty cool people up there obviously I saw Donald Osborne I was running to Jay Leno I got to meet uh, a gentleman by the name of Perry Margoloff and he's a uh, guitar collector car collector and uh, and record producer and so we're looking forward to having Perry on he's uh, overseas right at the moment for a couple weeks and uh, he graciously accepted our invitation to be a guest on our show so we're looking forward to having him uh, sometime towards the end of the month um, we've got some other people lined up I will uh, keep that a surprise as a, for the moment um, there's also some other people that will be coming into Clearwater and touring probably uh, at one of the Ruth Eckert venues either the uh, the sound or the uh, the Capitol which we still refer to it as the Capitol or Ruth Eckert Hall itself over there off McMullen Booth Road nonetheless um, so, and then I got a chance to meet Robert Herzevich, and he was, uh, you know, one of the co-founders of uh, Shark Tank. Now, what I did not know, I talked to him for a while. We were backstage a little bit before he went on stage with Jay Leno. They did a seminar called Carter Sharks. Okay, and he's a huge collector as well, and he's mostly got supercars, but he's starting to get into vintage cars now. You know, obviously he's influenced by guys like Donald and Jay and 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 other car guys around the world. But the TV show Card Sharks or Shark Tank actually had a different name back in the day, but it started in the early 2000s, and then when it finally caught on here in the United States, they changed the name because they thought that would sound better. And so him and and, and Mr. Wonderful. Um, O'Leary there uh, were basically the two guys that started it, and then of course they're the obviously the two guys that are mostly on there, and then they recruit Mark Cuban and Barbara and 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 some of the other people that have been on it. They kind of rotate, <clears throat> so it was interesting. But while they were on the stage and they were talking about cars, he was talking about vintage cars, and we're talking about uh, values, for example. Now, the, the the there was also the bottoms auction. Um, there was a the concourse, obviously, which was at the Breakers, which is the Vanderbilt home, was absolutely spectacular. Um, the setting it rivals Pebble Beach in a way um, from the standpoint the overall scenery. Okay, um, still nothing beats Pebble Beach. Pebble Beach is still uh, the the creme de la creme when it comes to events, but. The Newport Beach area and what his has to offer is a small version of Pebble Beach. So even though you have a number of events going, taking place, they're all within close proximity. Unlike Pebble, where part of it's in Monterey, some of it's in Seaside, some of it's in, in Carmel, and then obviously in Pebble Beach. So it, it, it rotates around and, uh, and, and, and that makes it kind of interesting because there's a lot of people that show up for that that particular event because that's the event of the year basically and then you've got amelia island and amelia island which was kind of cool because it was kind of like uh right there at the ritz carlton and then right uh, uh, pretty much on the ritz carlton property and uh so it, it had a it, it was a central location and and everybody could just basically just kind of hang out there park your car and just walk around and you were hanging out in the lobby and rm had their auctions and so on speaking of rm i ran into rob myers while i was up there at uh at the Audrain, and I talked to him for a while. And I think maybe after 10 years now, I might have finally persuaded Rob to come on our show. So told me to contact Katie, and we'll see what happens. At any rate, um, and they're doing their big event in Miami this year, um, the same weekend as, I think it's called Moto Miami, and it's the same weekend as the Amelia Island Concourse. No, I'm going to go to the Works Reunion and work the Porsche event for Fastlane Travel. Big shout-out to my friends at Fastlane Travel. And then I'm going to hightail it down to uh, Miami for the uh, Moto Miami because it's a brand-new event, the inaugural event, so I definitely want to be want to participate in that. Um, what's going on this? Last weekend was the Cruising the Coast and Barber Motorsports um, Motorsports uh, Motor. Motorsports Motorcycle Festival. Unfortunately, I had other things. I couldn't schedule it. This weekend is the Chattanooga Motorcar Festival. And in a couple weeks is the um, uh, Dawsonville Moonshine Festival. And then after that is SEMA. And then there's the the, the Muscle Car and, and uh, uh, Corvette Nationals, which is up in Rosemont, Illinois. So there's a lot of stuff going on. And then, of course, Hilton Head is taking place. 
I think that's uh, in a couple weeks as well, or maybe it's next weekend. There's just a lot of stuff going on, and 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 September, end of September, October is just a really, 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 really busy month, and um, so uh, just a lot of stuff going on. Of course, if you want to find out where all the stuff's going on in Florida, definitely check out flacarshows.com. That will tell you that. Now, speaking of Florida car shows, this weekend down as the second Saturday of every month is the big car show at the University Town Center in Sarasota, and I will tell you, there's probably I'm going to say seven, eight hundred cars, maybe a thousand cars. Um, and uh, so uh, we're not. So at any rate, um, let's see. What was I going to say? Oh, okay. But at any rate, so we're going to uh, maybe drive down for that. That's a big event. And um, but at any rate, I think what we're going to do. I'm going to have Ed fire up the stereo a little bit, and we're going to play. I think a little guess who, because we've again. Reached out to Randy Bachman because we're trying to get Randy on the show. He's Canadian. We contacted his Canadian publicist. Of course, yesterday, believe it or not, in Canada was Thanksgiving for the Canadians. But anyway, so here's a little hang on to your life by the guess who. You tune into Nostalgia Getting Cars. Don't touch that dial, but we'll be right back. car shows then look no further than flacarshows.com on your computer or on your mobile device flacarshows.com is a comprehensive list of automotive events plus videos and news articles whether you're looking for car shows cruise-ins meetups automotive festivals cars and coffees or anything else relating to an internal combustion engine then this is a site for you check it out online or on your phone at flacarshows.com I got to give you a compliment there, Ed. You're doing a real good job. I mean, you know, <laughs> I know you've been doing it for your first time. Yeah, you could. Uh, I, we have that one clip. I don't know where it's at. Somewhere in there, it's like, can you run a radio station? You know, Lotus said that, and that was pretty funny. But anyway, so we're dri- no, drive a radio station. That's what it was. Anyway, all right, so we're back. And uh, I see what else did I want to finish mentioning um, about the, oh, yeah, the Audrain thing. So um, definitely um, put that on your, on your, on your radar because uh, what, what was really interesting about it is the fact that it was basically a four-day event. The Audrain, a big big shout-out to Donald Osborne because they did a really, really good job setting up the cars in that, that particular museum. And what the cool thing is, is unlike a lot of museums where the cars are static and they're there all the time, they, they actually rotate the, um, the, uh, the, the selection of cars and the theme uh, four times a year. So that's pretty cool. I like that. Now, in Florida, we've got the Revs Institute. In California, you got the Peterson um, Museum. And that probably by far, only because of the variety and the selection and the quantity of cars that you have in California, um, the Peterson Museum and the exhibits, okay, uh, and the space, California, I mean, the Peterson Museum is number one. Now, the next closest things in terms of really, really cool, interesting car, but more from the historical perspective of race cars, 
the Revs Institute down in Naples has an is an amazing museum, and, and you all need to, you know, if you've if you've never been there, you need to go check it out. Also, there's a museum on the East Coast, and it's over, I believe, near. I'm going to say Cape Canaveral, Melbourne area, and it's called the American something or other. I'm not. I don't have all the details on it because I just found out about it here, probably a few months back. And I I also reached out to them to see if I can get them on the show and they can talk about that. Their their museum. So there's a number, and it's a private collection, and it's only open on special occasions for certain car shows and things of that nature. So there's a lot of these, and then there's a there's a there's two down in Miami that I just found out about, and uh, so I need to get some more information on that before I can share that with you guys because I want to make sure that I, I give you guys the right the right info. And uh, what's interesting is, and I did not know this, you know, you would think, obviously we know California's got, you know, a huge selection of cars. But in, in all up and down the eastern seaboard, in Atlanta, Birmingham, uh, uh, North Carolina, there's all these small private museums that these very affluent guys have and uh, that have collected these amazing cars over the years. And some of these collections range from anywhere from 50 to 150 to 200 cars. And uh, what you'll see in, in, the, in the upcoming auctions is, unfortunately, some of these uh, private collectors are, are moving on to the big car collection in the sky. So their collections are being absorbed and bought and sold and traded to some of these new up-and-coming museums. So it's really interesting to see where this is all going to go. Uh, also, I wanted to share with you, too, is like, you know, when, when I was talking a little bit about Donald Osborne, and one of the things he was talking about was these cars and coffee events, which is basically like the one that's taking place in Sarasota this weekend, which is at the University Town Center off University Parkway. And the the collection and selection of cars there is really eclectic. I mean, you got old old school guys like me with old school cars, you know, hot rods, more traditional stuff. You got a lot of supercar guys. You got uh, the foreign car guys. You got the JDM guys. Speaking of JDMs, I have to tell you that I just recently appraised a 1999 Mitsubishi Lancer Evo Six. Um, that car was built between, I think, 1998, 99, 2000, 2001, or 99, 2000, 2001, I think so it was, yeah, 99, 2001. And uh, before they started bringing the cars in, in this country, it was right-hand drive. I actually got to drive it. It was pretty cool and uh, pretty peppy for a little car. I see why people get it. But what I didn't realize is the popularity of these cars, a lot of these JDM cars, is because of the video games like uh, the Need for Speed, uh, um, Grand Theft Auto, um, and then uh, I'm trying to think there's another one out there and uh so these um these video games really and which obviously appeals to the younger crowd is getting these younger people into interested in these jdm right-hand drive cars those cars are all gray market cars they all have to be exported from japan although they did send some of them to europe so there are a few right-hand drive cars specifically built um for uh, special order for some european countries but most of them went to england so obviously japan is right-hand drive England is right-hand drive, so most of these cars that come into the country, they're coming in from Japan or from England through uh, importers, private importers. Real interesting group of people, and I'm going to kind of find out a little bit more about it because it was kind of intriguing to me um, how popular these cars are. And then there's a company over in Tampa that uh, that uh, does a lot of repair and a lot of service with, the, with service on those vehicles. Anyway, at that point, I think what we're going to do is Ed is going to fire up the stereo again. We're going to pay... Uh, a little George Harrison this time. We're going to jump around a little bit. And we're going to play While My Guitar Gently Weeps, which is very appropriate since the gentleman coming on the show here in a few minutes is a guitar person. So without further ado, I'm going to go say stay tuned to Nostalgia Radio and Cars. We'll be right back with our special guest for the evening. Ed's going to call our guests, and we'll be right back. Don't touch that dial.
This is Dave Mason, co-founder of the classic band Traffic and writer of a song which you all know called Feeling All Right. And you're listening to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Okay, we're back, and you're tuning into Nostalgic Radio Cars. Thank you, Dave. Uh, it's just time to introduce my special guest for the evening. This is uh, a, an old friend of mine, a car guy, and a guitar guy more than anything else. And since this is Rocktober, I couldn't think of a better guest to have on my show this evening. I'm delighted to welcome Craig Brody. Craig, how are you, buddy? I'm doing okay. How about yourself? Pretty good, pretty good. Since we had Dave do that liner a few minutes ago, did you ever sell Dave a guitar? Uh, Dave Mason? No, no, I have not. I have seen him uh, quite a number of times, but uh, but I've never done any business with him, unfortunately. Okay. How, is, uh, how are things in the car and guitar world with you? Well, I'm you know I'm a small fry, you know, so I mean I got a car or two here and there, and I got a guitar here or two, you know. I mean I'm a huge Fender Mustang guy. Obviously, I love those I things, and yeah. uh, I like Strats, and I like uh, Gibson SGs. Those are my my favorite guitars. And yeah. then of course I have my original. Lyle from 1966, which is an E335 knockoff. And, uh, oh, funny, funny, funny. You know, it's funny because I started playing when I was in 10, and in all the years I played, and I would, you know, like, I grew up in North Carolina, in Northern California, so, you know, everybody had a garage band, right? So I would beat on this yeah. guy's guitar and beat on this, or string this guy's guitar, beat on some drums, hammer some keyboards, you know, and we just kind of putts around. I've never learned a complete song. I can only play riffs. <laughs> well, I'm not far off of you either. <laughs> you know? well, but, but being a bass player, you know, is, as a kid, um, I started dating my wife back in 1976. So I put on to learn how to play bass uh, Stanley Clark School Days album. Really? So, yeah. So I, you know, I grew up on uh, Sly and the Family Stone and Earth, Wind and Fire and Rufus and Michael Jackson, you know, the Jacksons and a lot of rock too, a lot of rock. But I was, I was always prone to play, um, you know, something funky, something fun. And uh, but I've, I've never been in a band playing music for a living. I've only played for fun. Interesting, you know, when I, that Lyle that I have, the neck, the nut is an inch and five-eighths. It's big. And so for a 10-year-old kid, and I went in to buy a Fender Mustang, and the guy talked me out of it. Oh, you got to have an electric oh. amplifier. You got to, it's a solid body. It doesn't sound good, blah, blah, blah. Here, for $66, I'll sell you a Lyle uh, 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 and a Goya case, and then for a few extra bucks, we'll, we'll sell you, for another $25, $30, we'll send you, I'll sell you an amp. So, and this is 1966. Wow. Two band, right? So the, uh, um, I had trouble with that, playing with that, and it discouraged me. And this is where I want you to share some stories. So when I moved to Florida in '71, and I went to get my driver's license, the uh, or uh, not my driver's license. There was a Sears town up here. There was a yeah. where you yeah. where the Department of Motor Vehicle was, which I was right. anticipating getting my driver's license was a little guitar shop. And so I wandered in there, and of course he had all the guitars I really liked. You know, it's just a small guy, just was a musician kind of guy. But a friend of mine says, well, Robert, if you can't play six because the guitar's next too wide, try four. So I said, well, okay. So I went in looking, and he had a bass guitar, and it was a knockoff of, of a Hoffner, you know, Beetle bass. Yeah. Yeah. And I bought that, and I remember making payments because I had a lawn, I mean, I, I was mowing lawns, and my parents were in the motel business. So, so I still have that guitar also, and I have the box that I came in, and every time I make a payment, the guy would mark, you know, ten bucks, five bucks, five bucks, ten bucks, five. and it was a hundred dollars in 1971. That was a lot of money, right? And uh, so, and 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 here, let me ask you this: as a bass player, because I've had yeah. Jeff Berlin's been on our show, uh, Chuck Wright, who played for, um, uh, oh, um, Quiet Riot, he's a bass player. Some bass player, and then Stevie, um, Stevie from uh, um, St. Pete Guitars, and I know you know Stevie. Uh, oh, I can't Stevie think. B, sure. Yeah, Stevie sure. B, yeah. right. So what I think is kind of interesting is when a bass player sometimes, and I'm going to ask you this, you say, I play bass, and I don't play six string. But yet I see a lot of guys, and Paul McCartney uses an example, there's a lot of guys that play bass, play six string, I was too stupid to know there's much of a difference. A six string is a six string, or four string is a four string, five, and so on. So, give me, give us your take on that. 
on 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 uh, on the perspective of being a bass player or a six string player or or playing both. Well, you know, the way that I got started playing bass is because my brother played guitar, so of course, oh, I didn't I didn't want to play guitar, so I played bass. Uh, just like in fifth grade, I started playing trumpet because my other brothers played sax. So I progressed to playing bass, and um, always in the, you know, I was in the jazz band throughout 11th grade from junior high. I was in the jazz band, and I was a first-chair trumpet player. So I I was, you know, uh, you know I always played the, the best parts in that, but for whatever reason, I didn't want to copy my brother. Okay. So now I play not enough six-string guitar, but I finger-pick enough and play enough chords to play Beatles songs and to play, you know, Stones or Matchbox 20 or Green Day and so on and so forth. So, I, you know, I play enough so people, when they come in, they want to hear a guitar, I can fake it a little bit. <laughs> okay. But, uh, but it is, uh, you know, very different, although the bass players today are playing five- and six-string instruments, and they're all playing chords also. You know, the, the players right. today, the modern bass players, you know. So I'm not a chord player on bass either, but, uh, but, I, am a, but I am a funker. I okay. love, uh, love upbeat music, you know. Okay, well then, uh, the, the, well, you know what? When they came out with some of their early 70s songs, and I'm going to say, like, you know, some of the Stevie Wonder stuff, some of the, uh, like you said, Sly and the Family Stone, you know, oh, yeah. uh, and, and there was, um, and, and, and a lot of the disco did have that kind of funky. It's just like on a six string, how they used to uh, palm and play the chords, and it had that funky rhythm to it, you know? And then oh, the yeah. Bi- yeah. I forget what they call that, but uh, I've tried that. It's, that's hard to learn. I'm still working on that one. And... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but it just it just has kind of a, it's kind of like a little bit of a muted sound. But you got to mute string, mute string, mute string. You know. Oh yeah. And yeah. And uh, <laughs> so. Well, so, you know. Go ahead. Did, did you ever hear of a fellow today? He's on Facebook all over the place. Corey Wang. No. You should look up Corey Wang. He's exploding now simply by playing a Stratocaster, funky as hell and he's playing with all of these famous jazz guys now and, and it started out and he just is a funky just like you're saying that 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 uh, funky from George from uh, you know from uh, um, anybody from uh, uh, who James Brown music to Sly to Earth Wind and Fire you know they all have that funk guitar playing inside the the sounds of the bass and stuff, you know? So, uh, I, like I said, I, I just like the bass better because to me it was like playing drums at the same time. Well, it's kind of like drums and, and, and particularly the bass is the beat of the music. Completely. You know, I mean, that's what gets you, dun, 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 you know, that's just kind of what gets you going. I can't explain it, but it just does. You know it when you well, dance. Well, no, I could, I could explain it. When I play bass, I play very full. Okay. Where, and I, most times I could play with a guitar player and a, and a keyboard player and not even have drums because I play very percussive. Okay. I slap around and bang, and I keep the beat around the... Uh, you know, it, there's not a lot of quiet. I fill it up, kind of, if you know what I'm saying, like a, like a, kind of like a drum would. Okay. Like a drum, you know. You mentioned so, you mentioned bass guitar. Uh, I mean, bass chords. Is a is a bass chord similar to a six string chord? Yeah, yeah very much so. Very much so. Except okay. you're playing you're playing the high notes on the bass, generally speaking, to get closer to the. You know, octave above uh, to be a little bit more guitar-like. Okay. But, but uh, and the chords could be very melodic, and guys are playing and slapping and tapping like uh, Eddie. You okay. know, I mean, really, they're just insanely playing with speed and chords and and taps, and it's amazing. And and you know, it's way beyond what I've ever seen. And and I, I don't have the patience or time to spend that much time to 
get that good, I guess. But, <laughs> I don't think that, but, I, but I'm pretty good when it, you know, because all the speed and craziness only does so much. You got to really hold down a beat when you're playing with others, you know. So I, I do that. I do that pretty good, and I'd like to play music even more. You know, I really would. Um, do you pl- so? What's your uh, your guitar? I mean, are you a P bass guy, a jazz bass? Are you an E bass? You know, I mean, a, a Gibson. What type of what? Uh, and four string, five string, six string. What do you like? What's your preference? Mostly, mostly I I do love five string. Okay, because five string gives you a low B. It gives you the low growly tones that mm-hmm. you you don't have with a, a a low E. You have to go to the higher notes to get the notes below E, if you know what I'm saying. Right. So the low B to me is the best because you get the growly, full five notes below E to play on, and the the high side of the notes come out when you're funking around and stuff. But but I am a jazz bass guy. I like a, the thinner neck, and I like the two pickups. And uh, it's a, you know it's a thinner neck, it's a faster feel, um, and I, I like some custom bases I have, and most of the custom bases are five strings, uh, you know that I have. So I, I I really like the low B, but you know when you go with the high note, the, the you know whatever it is, an A or a B up on the top side, I never seem to use it, and that's where you get your chords. You have that extra note on the high side to play guitar chords. Okay. Whereas on a whereas in a five string, you just have the regular four strings on the high side. If you know what I'm saying. Yes, I get it. You just have you just have the option of the low B, that that growly tone, and, and I dig it. To me, it's uh, if you get down to um, you know a D or an or an, an F below the uh, you know. Uh, Below, not not an F, but below the E. You know, you get those D and the C below that, and that really is the, you know, it it um, it, it's the real bass notes. You know, you're not using the higher C; you're using a low C, and it's uh, just a much more melodic and much more uh, bass-worthy, funky type of uh, sound. You know. When now, how did you? And we'll talk about cars in a little bit too. So, how did the guitar business start for you? <laughs> Funny you should ask. Funny I should ask. <laughs> Funny you should ask. Great question. Um, Great question. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> well, I started at twenty years old, uh, right out of junior college. I had a job waiting for me. 1979, and I was selling Volkswagens and Subarus in North Miami, and you know, right off of uh, right off of the Cloverleaf by 441 and 95. You know, right where they crossed over. Uh-huh. So uh, I started at 20. I looked 15 years old, and um, I did that for 10 years. I worked corporate. I worked, uh, you know, with bosses that were mostly pretty lame and uh and i wound up making a lot more money that but i i wasn't a a butt kisser uh you know to move up the chain shall you say and right and and kiss butt i just didn't do it so that was my downfall in the car business and then as uh, the late the late 80s were going past the commissions were dropping and i had a kid and I was having a second kid and I couldn't afford to stay in the automobile business so I started buying and selling guitars on the side and this is back in 86, 7, 87, 8 so there was no internet there was no guitar magazines other than uh, Guitar World and, uh, and uh, Guitar Player and um, I started buying and wholesaling and then I said to myself Man, I made five hundred on this. I could have made a thousand. I should keep it and retail it. So that was my break. I decided to put away guitars uh, for about eight months to a year. My wife was pregnant with my son, and I decided it's time to break out of the car biz and just jump and get a storefront. And it was nineteen eighty nine, and I went on vacation. And I came back from vacation with four more guitars that I bought for the business and opened up, uh, I, I 
April 89, I started setting up. I was open in June. So uh, I had a 900-foot shop on Davy Boulevard, and I had, a, I had a refrigerator full of wine coolers. I had a phone, and I had a typewriter. And that's how I started with 70 guitars hanging up on the wall. And then I got a cell phone around 90, and I got a website by 93. And um, I, you know, I went from uh, a typewriter around 90. I bought my first computer. You ready? Yeah. I bought a used Tandy. Oh, my Radio gosh. Shack. <laughs> Radio Shack, yeah. Wait, wait, wait. Wait, check this out. And again, I went in and mail order was my primary, uh, uh, you know, I knew that I couldn't survive local. Right. So, um, so I, uh, I bought this used candy from a friend. It was uh, a single floppy disc. Oh, okay? Yeah. With a huge television screen on a big, the bottom had to be about eight, ten inches tall, about a foot and a half wide, with a keyboard on the front of it, right? Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, I remember that. And, and the TV, the, the screen was as big as that son of a gun, and it sat on top. <laughs> and I had a single floppy, and guess what? It was $1,000. And then I bought a second floppy for two fifty, and I was in business, and I had a matrix printer, the dot matrix, you know, thing. And uh, I used to peel and stick stickers and do my mailers with my wife and my kids. And, and, and I used to wake up at three in the morning when I heard the phone ring in my office at the house, run down the hallway knowing it's the guy from Japan calling. And I pick up the phone and uh, just hilarious what I used to do. But I was I, I said to myself, this is what I'm going to do. I got to just uh, get every every sale and and uh, do everything right. So that, that's kind of how it started. And then it, it grew, and now I'm going into my 35th year. Uh, I'm in it as we speak, and next year it'll be 35 years in April, and uh, it's crazy where the time went, man. It's, uh, so I did it really out of necessity. I did it because I couldn't afford to stay in the auto business at the time and um and it was obviously worth it you know jumping out and then then i got back in the auto biz uh around 04 i got my dealer license and then i had the car biz and the guitar biz for about uh, 10 good years there and uh and then i really i did i i had two things i love to do as businesses which most people don't have one thing they like to do for a living you know Cars and guitars. That's it, man. That's the world. That's the, That's world. the world. So what That's was it like world. back then? I mean, were you acquiring most of the guitars locally? It's in the, you know, I'll just say the, you know, Miami, Fort Lauderdale area. And then you were selling worldwide? Or were you actually buying worldwide as well? No, I was Im immediately buying worldwide because that was my game plan anyway, okay. was to retail instruments. And um, I did find a lot of stuff in those days at pawn shops before everybody was hip to the internet. Ah. And and I used to travel, um, like one trip. I, I this had to be around ninety five, six, seven ish. I had a museum in uh, off of Sunrise Boulevard, across from the Galleria Mall. I had probably the most amazing uh, uh, museum out of anybody I, I knew at the time. And um, I used to jump on a plane and fly and meet people under overpasses out <laughs> in the middle of the Pennsylvania Turnpike in Morgantown, PA, buying a national-style fork chrysanthemum and a matching mandolin-style two from a brother and a sister and fly back. And then another trip, a guy told me about some stuff in Corpus Christi. So I took a plane to Houston and a prop plane to Corpus to a music store that I think is still there. And I bought eight guitars and I put them all on that prop plane, put them all on that other plane, got home with eight or ten guitars, eight guitars, nine guitars, some of the rarest, rarest sparkle finished strats, gold tops, just crazy 
um, quick trips like that I used to do. Um, and again, it was really just the beginning of the internet. So, you know, I was I was able to find a lot before around 2000, uh, 98 to 2000, it got really, you know, a little busier. You couldn't find as much stuff, you know. So let me ask you this. So now some of these guitars you're talking about, you know, which are extremely rare, you know, like a Les Paul Gold Top and the, the special paint um, strats and stuff like that. Yeah. How did you, did, when you when you made that commitment to make that transition into I'm going to buy and sell guitars, yes. well, how about the learning process? Where did you, was it mostly through some of those magazines you mentioned, Guitar World and stuff like that, and you had to educate yourself? Because obviously yeah. you know as well as I do, same thing in the car business. you got to be very careful. Just like that Martin you were telling me about that you bought today. Right? You know, the, the one with the, yes, yes. It's a magnificent guitar, and I'm keeping it, and I'm going to buff out the back. I was a little angry, uh, but I got a beautiful 54 0028, and that's like, that's the Clapton guitar, man. That's, that's the, the grins and in, in, in the biz. Um, now, we're talking, now, we're talking a, 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 a dredge knot, or you know, uh, basically the acoustic guitar is what we're talking about here, right? It's an acoustic, but it's not a dread. The dread is the bigger body. Oh, this okay. is this is a little bit smaller body, very, very popular. Clapton's model is a triple O twenty eight EC, so that's what he was most famous for playing. It's a smaller body than a dreadnought. Is that what they call uh, a parlor guitar? No, parlors are very small. Parlors, oh, okay. A triple O is bigger than a double, bigger than a zero, then it goes one, two, three, four, five. So they get smaller as the numbers got bigger. Okay. You know. So a triple O was a lot bigger than a parlor. And a parlor would be a little bit more like a, a two or a three size, you know, a very small body. Okay. Very small bodies. So my, my experience came because in the late 70s, mid to late 70s, I started buying guitars from a guitar shop in New Jersey that did mail order. That's where I got the inspiration. Okay. And it was so cool, I was able to get stuff sent at a house. I didn't have to go there. And I said, what a great concept, you know? So, I, you know, my first, what really ticked me into the vintage market, I was, uh, again, I was dating Patty in 76. I was in a really, really exceptional band for, you know, 15 to 18-year-old guys. And we, we, we kicked butt, man. We were insanely good. And I'm still friendly with all of them. Uh, we're not playing, of course. But, uh, but we won a Battle of the Bands contest in Baldwin, Long Island, in the city of Baldwin. Wow. And, and, in October 76. And, um, and that was even before I bought my first real original bass, uh, which was probably in 77. But I was in this band, and we did like uh, we did a battle of bands. We did, um, I think we played Tush. I think we played Purple Haze. Oh wow! We we, we may have played a uh, a Deep Purple song, or it could have been a Boston song. And we saved the best for encore. So one of the boys in the band, I'm friends with still today, Dave. He had a move. You know, they came from money that the involved when, and all the kids had good good gear. So he had a move, and guess what song we won the Battle of the Bands with? And I have never heard it played again by another band other than one guy that did it. We played Frankenstein. Oh, Edgar Winter. Wow. Can you believe that? So the keyboard player learned every... No, yeah, yeah. just you know what I'm saying. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and so, can you imagine where these kids? We come out and bam, 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 bam. Oh yeah. <laughs> and I have never heard another band play it. And I actually met Edgar at a Rotary concert out in Weston, where we live here. And I had a conversation, took photos with him, and I told him I won the battle of the band with his song, and uh, he wasn't that impressed. Jeez, he wasn't that impressed. Uh, So, um, but in '77, I went in and I bought a '64 jazz bass, 
Sunburst, mint condition, brand new, four hundred dollars. Wow! And I was hooked. I was hooked. I was hooked. I was a uh, I was a jazz based guy for life after that. Interesting, interesting. So speaking of uh, Edgar Winter, who are some of the other celebrities you've sold some uh, interesting guitars to? Um, sold instruments. I have a wall of shame in my shop with all the photos and autographs and stuff, but um, Eric Clapton uh, oh, wow. back in 93. Uh, Alan Rogan was uh, the roadie of roadies for ACDC and, and um, The Who... And so he he was the tech for for Clapton, and I I sold Eric a guitar through uh, Alan. He bought a '53 Blonde L5 electric, and he still owns it today. I'm happy to say he never sold it in his auctions and stuff. So he obviously so he sent me a photograph, and the guitar is sitting behind him, a black and white photo. And I said to Alan, "I'm selling you this. I want a picture." thanking me. He says, he says, Craig, I can't promise that. It's Eric. And you know, I can't promise he'll do that. And so, so about a year later, I got a picture in the mail, and it's hanging up on my shop. It says, hey, Craig, great guitar. Thanks, Eric Clapton. <laughs> wow. Wow. That's fantastic. So, so, so he was the first biggie. And then um, after that, I had REM in the shop. I sold Mike Mills and uh, Peter Buck stuff then. I sold Mike Mills his favorite bass on earth that he destroyed and played the hell out of a, a 67 blonde T-Base maple cap neck. And he still has it. He beat the hell out of it. He, he played it everywhere for about 15 years and just wore the finish off of it, you know? And it was on... Saturday Night Live, and it was on the Music Awards, on every album, every video. And then uh, I moved on to, you know, U2, and, um, of course, uh, Getty Lee, and, uh, you know, quite a a number of people. And, you know, Joe Bonamassa I've known for since he's 16 years old, and, um, but, but a lot, a lot of famous people, and and again, I was never, I, you know, John Fogarty recently, he's bought in the past, but he actually called and bought something which I, I was blown away by. Um, great guy. He's 80 years old now, 81 years old. And, uh, but, you know, when you, when you talk guitar with people that are famous, some of them you don't talk to directly, like you too would never talk to you directly. They had their boys. Um, but some of them are great, normal people today, you know, and... And John bought another gold top of 71, uh, just like he likes with P90s. And then uh, he negotiated with me. He sounded like an old guy on the phone. And then, uh, how do you want to pay for that? I'll put it on my card. First name, he says, John. I said, last name, he says, Fogarty. I said, get the F out of here, man. <laughs> <laughs> get out of here. I said, is it really you? He says, yes, me. I said, you never used to call. I used to talk to your guy, Andy Brower. He says, well, now I sit home and my wife still works and I tour with my son. But when I'm off, I look around the guitars and I buy shit. You know, that's all. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but just a regular cat now, you know, and, uh, and it's fun. It's fun. So, you know, many, many famous people uh, are on the wall and uh, I can't even think of, but, but those are some of the. Those are some of the big boys. Well, yeah. Craig, we are just about up against the clock here. So what I want you to do real quick is tell for uh, for our listeners, tell us a little bit about your. Uh, um, we got a minute or so, uh, or thirty seconds now. Give get out give out your information to help people can find out more about you and then check out your amazing collection of uh, guitars and some of your cars. Oh, that'd be great. Uh, my shop is called the Guitar Broker. The Guitar Broker. We're located in downtown Fort Lauderdale. My website is simply guitarbroker.com, and uh, we're open uh, to the public three mornings to the afternoon, middle of, you know, Monday, Wednesday, Fridays, or by appointment, and I'm uh, putting back up all the cars back on my new website. I just had a new website uh, designed, 
and I'm putting up all my cars current and prior so everybody could see all the neat stuff I used to have. Um, and I, I still have uh, four, five, six cars. And that, that's my true passion at the youngest age. Uh, but uh, guitars and, and cars is just always a lot of fun. But anybody, give me a call if you're selling stuff, if you want to buy something special. I buy collections of stuff. Uh, guitarbroker.com, anytime, man. I'm, I'm, I always answer the phone. Super. Well, Craig, I want to thank you, Hank, for hanging out with us. We're definitely going to have to do this again so we can get a little bit more into detail on some more of the guitars and definitely some of the cars. So I look forward to... Oh, have to. We have to. We have to. Definitely And I that. appreciate the invite. appreciate the invite, man. And, and always a pleasure. And it's, uh, I know you're a long time. It's good, to, it's good to catch up. Super, super. All right, Craig, well, you take care, and we'll be in touch. We'll see you at some of the shows. All right. Bye-bye. Thanks again. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Hey, I want to thank all my listeners for tuning in to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Don't forget to check us out here every Tuesday between 7 and 8 p.m. on the Tantalk Radio Network for the most fascinating legendary names in motorsports. Remember, it's Rocktober. we got more musical guests coming on. I want to see you at some of the car shows. Stay safe, drive carefully, and love your family.